You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number 19 of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong, and here with us today is Jamie Chapman. Jamie is a veteran of the Army Reserve and later got out and married to a man that was an active duty Army and so became a military spouse. We've done uh, 18 or so episodes in a row on veterans and their transition, and uh, we think the spousal community is underrepresented, and so Jamie's an exceptional resource because she's a veteran herself, she is a spouse, and she's also doing an awful lot of work with military spouses to help them find jobs. And we're going to get into that on the show. Jamie, welcome to the show, ma'am. It's a pleasure to be here, Frank. Thanks for having me out. Yeah, you bet. I always ask about a veteran's time in service. That's the binding, the common denominator of this whole show. What caused you to join the Army? And it was the Army Reserve, right? Army Reserves. So I joined the Army out of impulse. I was living at the time in Lawton, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, attending college, And you just constantly see soldiers out and about. So I walk into the mall and go into the Army Recruitment Center and tell them I want to be in the reserves. I can still remember the teal shirt I was wearing and the shopping bags I was carrying that day. But yeah, it was pretty impulsive when I joined. And then a couple months later, they're shipping me off to basic training. Yeah, you hear a lot about impulse shopping and buyer's remorse. (laughs) Did you have any of that once you signed the contract? No, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in the Army. I served for six years and then promptly separated and turned right back around and married into the Army. Okay, we're going to get into that. But let me ask you first, what was your job? What did you do? I served for six years as a petroleum supply specialist. You know, the recruiters say, hey, there's a $20,000 sign-on bonus. You should take this job. So I did. I was literally the worst petroleum supply specialist in the whole army. I actually ended up 90% of the time doing administrative work because what I did as a civilian was work in the employment space with special needs adults at that time. So I ended up helping lots of my unemployed fellow soldiers with helping them find jobs and would do some education and things like that, talking about educational resources, teaching classes. I did a lot of admin work. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't that you were the worst petroleum specialist, but that you had skill sets that added value in other areas. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. <laughs> Part of being a leader is like plugging people into the right spot. So someone figured out what your niche is. Let me ask, there's good days and bad days in the service. Do you have a good day and a bad day that stands out in your mind? Well, good days. I enjoyed being in uniform very much so. I was very ambitious. I ended up separating as an E4 for other reasons, but I was at the time in Oklahoma, the only about to be officer, you know, I was an enlisted person, but I was halfway done with my bachelor's and the commander of our unit was a warrant officer. And I thought, wow, the second I promote, I'm going to be the highest ranking person here and they're going to put me in command. I better whip myself into shape, right? So every day was a good experience. I was getting my chops, learning leadership, things like that. As far as worst day in the army, that's a very clear answer. There was a very monumental momentum shifter for me. There was a a drill where there was a series of sexual harassment and assault cases. In fact, one of the leaders of our unit committed six of these in one day during a drill. 
I being one of those victims, and I won't go into any of those details, but the long and the short of it being it drew out for a really long time. And little Miss Pris here, mm-hmm. I ended up marching myself because I was so furious. The command had swept all of this under the rug. I marched my little self over to Fort Sill, the active duty post, went to a victim advocate, and then promptly squashed the problem. But that was years before the Me Too movement was a thing. And I ended up being pretty ill-received after that in my unit. So it just put a shadow and a smear on the rest of my service. Up until I left that unit, it ended up living somewhere else and joining a new unit. Huh. And you're currently close to Fort Hood. Is that right? Yeah, we do. We live on post here at Fort Hood. Okay. And so we're recording this in the middle of December. It probably won't go live until early January, but Right now, like this week, that report dropped from Fort Hood about the lack of the SHARP program and the tragedies stemming from the young soldier being killed off post, which is a tragedy. Did you have any reaction to that? I mean, this is obviously an issue. How long ago did you serve? You've been out for a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, I was in from 2009 to 2015. So I've been out for a little bit. Fort Hood is is an interesting place to be living in right now. There's a very heavy spirit overshadowing this entire installation and 14 heads are rolling. The problem is, is that those are 14 of our nation's service members that signed up to defend the freedom of our country. And none of them meant for any of this stuff to happen. But when you sustain an op tempo like Fort Hood has sustained over a long period of time and half of your troops are deploying every two, three years, you're going to have some things go to the wayside And the SHARP program should not be one of them. As much rampant sexual harassment and assault that happens in our military community, if there's one thing you can't lose sight of, it is the basic human safety of the people right in front of you. That's right. You get to look left and right and count on them. And, uh, you know, the common denominator is the uniform that we wear. Uh, But we have people from all races, viewpoints, religions, everything. It's just a mix. That's part of what makes America great. If you want your people to put their best foot forward, you've got to make sure they have a safe environment within in a training environment downrange, obviously, and there are different circumstances that make things dangerous. But thank you for sharing that. I I haven't interviewed a whole bunch of women, but I've had a handful on. Mm -hmm. I've definitely made extended a lot of invitations, but I am struck by the fact that every single woman I have interviewed has brought up an issue like this. And some of them have been out for years, right? So they're not worried about any retribution or anything, but it just goes to show that there is a problem. It's been longstanding and, um, you know, we ought to nix it. We're America's finest. Well, and generally in any environment where there are a lot of young people involved, think of college campuses, the military, you're going to have people doing inappropriate things. The military just so happens to have a super high concentration of young people. Yeah. And so you're going to have a lot higher of incidents happening with sexual harassment and assault. Right. But you'd also like to believe there's a higher level of discipline that's imposed, mm-hmm. right, than, than on a college campus, you hope. What did the service teach you that you think is applicable in your work today? Everything. I grew up in the Army. I joined as a dumb kid. And, you know, I'm the type of kid that's making impulsive choices, like walking into a mall and signing up for the military. Those recruiters couldn't believe their luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're sitting there like, is she serious right now? <laughs> yeah. Are you actually qualified? Can we enlist you? <laughs> you <know? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Well, I grew up in the military. You know, you go through and you are shaped as a leader. You are trained in a profession, even if it wasn't the profession I chose to pursue later in life. And then you come into contact with amazing leadership. 
sometimes you come across a couple of bad eggs, but that's also a learning experience. And so the six years I spent in the army were six key developmental years in my life. And I, I never would go back and change my service. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's usually the pivot. And typically here, I, I talk about a transition, but with you, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, I want to set up the forthcoming conversation, which is really talking about spouses and, and helping spouses find employment. Just, yeah, I wonder if you give us a little more detail about how you left the army and, and then got back into it. Right. So my, yeah, I'm 30 years old. My entire one decade of an adult career has been in the employment space. As I said earlier, I worked with special needs adults in that climate before in a vocational program. Mm-hmm. I, for fun, helped my fellow soldiers find jobs. And then upon separating from the army and relocating, I found myself working for the army's Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program. For the period of time I worked there for three years, I performed really well, but the more important thing is that you come into contact with thousands of service members who are transitioning from the military, and you are helping them get their sea legs to get on with their civilian career in the next phase of their life. What ended up happening after marrying my own soldier was that that contract I was working on was very volatile, and I make it a joke, but it's true. I got promoted thrice and laid off twice during my tenure at SFL TAP. Uh-huh. And then I ended up starting my own business, which has evolved into a military spouse staffing agency and where we also provide consulting services to organizations that are interested in hiring military spouses. Um, So my entire adult career has been dedicated to employment with the better half of it being dedicated to the military space. So I have a really cool lens when, when it comes to having a foot in the door as both a veteran serving veterans and as a spouse serving spouses as well. Mm-hmm. And so just for people that are listening that maybe we're in a different branch of the service, what is the Soldier for Life program in the Army? Right. So every branch has a mandated program when you separate that you have to go through. It's an employment program. It's called TAP, Transition Assistance Program. The Army's is called SFL TAP because we want really awesome acronyms that are easy for people to remember. (laughs) So Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program is the mandated government program that you go through when you find out that you're going to separate or retire from the military. You go sign up at your TAP program and you go to a series of employment related courses to prepare you for transitioning. And if it's a mandatory program, what's with the promotions and the contract cancellation? It's a mandatory program. You can't get rid of it. So how did that work? So some branches utilize government employees to run this program. And the Army, the way they run the program is through a contract. So whenever I was there, there was a series of contract, you know, somebody else won a new contract. They laid off 60% of the SFL TAP staff. And then over in Germany, there was a whole shenanigans of problems. Uh, That's where you were stationed at the time. Your husband was stationed. You were there working the TAP program as in Germany. I did it partially at Fort Carson, Colorado, and then relocated to Germany in the middle of that. So yeah, there were SOFA status problems with the Army's contract with the SFL TAP program in Germany. So there was a constant rotation of new employees coming in and out over there. A lot of turnover. So there is a turnover. Maybe, I don't know if throw your hands up in the air is the right term. But at some point, you had a formative experience of working with veterans that were transitioning and helped them to think about their careers coming up in the civilian world. And you realized that there was a a business model there. There was things you could do, maybe even better, opening up your own business. Tell us about that business, what you did initially, and how you pivoted Mm -hmm. where you went. (laughs) 
My business is Begin Within. We are a career services organization. We started out, I founded the organization in Colorado, moved it, had to set it up legally in Germany as a business. When I got laid off the second time from the SFL TAP contract, I threw my hands up in the air and said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to try entrepreneurship, not because I want to, because I don't have another choice over here. And I actually started out by writing USA Jobs resumes for people in my community. I got real busy real quick because lots of people in Europe, when they're stationed over there, can't find a job. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of people looking for assistance. And if you've ever had any experience with USA Jobs, it's a beast. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how we started. And then over time, I realized that resume writing in general and career coaching in general, for me, especially being involved with the military community where those services are free, It was a high volume, low profit game. And I wanted to pivot my model to be more sustainable for me where I'm not working 60 hour weeks writing USA Jobs resumes for minimal profit. I wanted to pivot it in a different way. And that's when I came into the staffing world. It's essentially the same work, but rather than it being business to customer, it's business to business. And I get paid by other companies to find them talent, which is what I was already doing anyways. Mm -hmm. And the talent source tends to be Military spouses, right? Well, at the beginning, and this is learning as I go while I'm running a business, I was sourcing veterans and military spouses. But what I found is, in my case, the niches make the riches. And whenever I changed my website copy, just a simple move like that, and I just made it all about military spouses, my business started doing a whole heck of a lot better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is, you know, it's interesting because you said you became an entrepreneur out of necessity, essentially. And a lot of military spouses that are off on a post or even overseas are in the same situation. So you kind of live that. And then you found your niche helping them do that. What are the sort of things that you began to do and I guess are doing now for spouses? How do you help them? Right. So my whole punchline and my whole mission in life is military spouse careers and not jobs. Uh Military spouses can go find a job. The problem is a sustainable career is about a company giving that military spouse the opportunity for retention. Mm -hmm. They can bring them on. And then rather than in two years turning over all of their military spouses, the company has to think through how to hang on to them for a while. And fortunately for me, my job's getting easier and easier every day because of the remote work revolution that we are living in today. Right. But there's another piece to this puzzle, Frank, which is entrepreneurship. One of the Blue Star Families, Military Family Lifestyle Surveys from 2019, 48% of military spouses reported turning to self-employment or business ownership for their career. What that means is that despite all the wonderful traditional employment initiatives that we have going on, there is a big lack of resources for military spouse entrepreneurs. And so in order to fully meet the need of military spouses, we've got to focus on 100% of the picture and not just 50% of it. So are you seeing interests in the spouses that you work with in opening up businesses? Instead of waiting and being reliant on a company to help you with your career, to provide, I guess, the opportunity, you know, I guess you got to take charge of your career, but there's still a little bit of luck involved too, no matter how good you are. So are you seeing people decide, look, I'm going to shape my own destiny and going out and starting their own business? And are you kind of helping them get their feet settled there? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Some military spouses, when it comes to entrepreneurship, dip their toe in the water in the form of maybe a side hustle or freelancing. 
And some military spouses just go all in and they make waves and they just Mm -hmm. found and start up a new business and run with it like I did. So we need to be able to meet the needs of all of those spouses, whether they want to dabble their toe in a side hustle or making side products and selling them on an e-commerce platform. Maybe they just want to do a little bit of freelance writing on the side for extra cash once in a while. Mm -hmm. And then for the spouses like myself who are all in, we've got to provide resources and meet the needs of both halves of that coin. Right. You know, I don't want to make this like a complete sales pitch, but you do have some (laughs) numbers on your website that are impressive. And I wonder if you just, you know, I think it just adds to the credibility about how many people you've helped, those sorts of things. I wonder if you give us one or two. Right. So in general, in my career, I've helped approximately 1,600 job seekers land employment. To aggregate and make the data simple, they've approximately landed $70,000 salaries. And so my total economic impact as just Jamie Chapman is about $112 million. I'm sorry, I can't remember my exact numbers off the top of my head, but a really good chunk of that is military specific. And so a lot of my job seekers of those 1,600 were veterans and spouses. And a good chunk of that economic impact is staying within the military family. Mm -hmm. So you've helped a lot of people get good, high paying jobs. Many of them are military spouses. And I imagine you've had so much experience, you've probably formed some ideas about advice and maybe that that would vary based on skills and education. But there are any, you know, sort of general themes or advice that you give to spouses looking for work? Well, one thing I like to bring up is that a lot of military spouses view moving as such a disadvantage. When the truth be told, one of the top pieces of any career advice you'll ever hear from any direction is to network. Mm -hmm. The cool thing about the military community and being so transient is that the networking is oftentimes built in. So you move from place to place and every time you move, the military shrinks a little bit. And every time you move, you start knowing people and you start seeing some of the same faces and you already have friends built in. And so just recognize as a military spouse or a veteran, whoever you are, if you're in the military community, that being transient is really beneficial for your professional network. And already having a built-in support system is one of the best things that you can do for your career. Yep. So networking is good. Are there any like resources if they're on or off posts or, you know, guidelines that can help someone just if they're newly married or new to the army, that's got to be a completely overwhelming experience. You know, there's all these rules and things and then you get shipped off somewhere where you don't really want to go because the army buys land that's really cheap. (laughs) But you you know, you're kind of far away from civilization. Where do they start? How do they get started? It's overwhelming. There's some 40,000 organizations that serve military families. And so start somewhere. There's plenty of service organizations right there on your installation that are designed to help you. If nothing else, you go there and you find the other resources that are the best fit. Oftentimes, the resource isn't a national resource, it's a local resource. One place I love to send people is always to USO. They have the USO Pathfinder program. And you know what they do? I don't. Tell me. They provide resources. (laughs) (laughs) They provide career resources. And so it's a hyper-localized program. You go to your local USO in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and they're going to connect you with tons of local resources in that area for employment. Their job isn't necessarily to get you a job, but it's to connect you. So it's a built-in place for you to go and find things. What about looking for things off post? I'm thinking like most counties or municipalities have like a chamber of commerce of sorts or even meet up. I've successfully 
organized meetup groups, you know, for years now, you know, business meetup groups turn into networking events. Is there anything like that where you think people should go and, and look? Well, I encourage anyone to diversify their job search, or if you're an entrepreneur, to diversify the way you generate business leads. And so if you are a traditional job seeker and you're in a local area, take a look at local staffing agencies, take a look at local professional organizations where they design events and you can go meet other folks. If you're an entrepreneur, take a look at local business meetup groups, take a look at chambers of commerce. There's many, many ways to get connected in your local community, meet who's who in the zoo, shake their hand, get on their radar. And that's how connections happen that, that lead to more opportunity later down the road. Yeah, we'll put some links to some of these. I'll get some of these from you later and we'll put them in the show notes on bootsaboutbusiness.com so people have a single place they go and find some of these resources. How about if we turn that around and ask about advice for businesses looking to hire spouses? Because unless you've served in the military or have some exposure to it, even knowing that that military spouse community exists, it's almost unknowable, right? It's basically a niche community and reaching them has got to be really hard. So how do you get started? Are there contacts on post that they can look for or where do they go? Reach out to me. I will point you in the direction that you need to go free of charge. Just come say hi to me. And I'm all I do is help spouses and I can get you started. There's a huge movement for traditional employment for military spouses. And so if you're interested in working with them, there's lots of places you can go that already have giant talent pools of military spouses. The government has the MSEP, the Military Spouse Employment Partnership, and you can sign up as a vetted employer for spouses there. It's a pretty intensive process. I believe it takes about a year to get vetted, but then you get access to their job board and their talent community, and it's a wonderful place to start. And then generally going to places like Hire Heroes USA, they already have a good talent community of military spouses and they do nothing but help prep them for these careers. So there's tons of places you can look, but if you get a little bit overwhelmed, there's a lot of noise in the space. I'm, I'm happy to just chat with folks and help get them off to the right start. Yeah, sure. And what was the name of the program where you get vetted and verified as an employer, spousal employer? MSEP, it's Military Spouse Employment Partnership. Okay. All right. I guess lastly, I'd say is if if you could wave the wand and get the DOD to do a few things to help spouses in their careers, maybe that's programs or initiatives. What are some things that you would recommend? You get to go before the generals and you're like, here, ma'am, sirs, this is what you should do. There is already some wonderful progress being made here, Frank. There's already uh, legislation in the works for licensure reciprocity for military spouses when they're moving state to state. There is even a Retirement Security Act focused on military spouse having vulnerabilities when it comes to retirement because we have pretty vulnerable careers at large. If there was one thing I could wave a magic wand about, it would be overseas SOFA status, status of forces agreement. Mm -hmm. That is a whole Pandora's box. It's a really big can of worms to open. But SOFA status prevents so many military spouses overseas from obtaining employment. And nobody has been able to crack the code on it. Mm -hmm. That's what I would wave a magic wand for. Yeah, they're basically stuck with jobs that are on post or remote in the U.S. and you can't really work in the local economy. Is that right? Well, so the Army does these health assessment surveys just to give you an employment picture that's as good of a guesstimate as we have. And where I lived in Wiesbaden, Germany, that Army Health Assessment Survey had a 47% estimate on what unemployment might look like. 
the question on the survey was something to the tune of, is a member of your household unemployed? And 47% of survey respondents answered yes. So half of those spouses overseas, presumably, are unemployed. And that's just in Germany. Let's not even open the door and talk about Italy where spouses are not allowed to work from home. That's probably more like a three quarters of them can't find a position. So, Yeah, that's right. I guess I'm remiss in, you know, kind of setting up this conversation a bit. And that is that the people in uniform sign a contract and they agree to a certain set of rights and rules that they'll abide by in order to serve their country, but they wouldn't be what they are without the support of spouses, right? If, if life at home is tough, then life in uniform is tough. And, you know, if you've ever been a served in any rank in the military, you know that. You can tell when people are having problems back home, it shows up on their job. It's just like in the real world, with the exception of we're there a whole lot more and it's almost intimate. So if somebody has a question or wants to connect with you or speak with you, where can they find you online? The easiest place to find me online is my website. It's uh, jchapman.com. Okay. And then it's got all my phone numbers and contact information there. Yep. And you're pretty active on LinkedIn too. Oh yeah. (laughs) We'll put some links to those in the show notes. Is there anything else that you would add to this? Yes, I would just like to do a shameless plug. We're labeling 2021 as the year of the military spouse entrepreneur. And I'll drop a link to the landing page for that. It's a cause marketing campaign. And the idea is to draw attention and celebrate military spouse business owners. And so if you'd be interested in supporting the movement, maybe be sharing some social media posts and things like that, I'd be happy to show you the landing page there so you can grab some of the information about the year of the military spouse entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. We can do that. So, Jamie, thank you for your service. Thanks for coming on the show and for all that you're doing to help spouses. You know, as I mentioned before, armed forces wouldn't be what they are without the support of the thousands of military spouses who are every bit as patriotic as service members. Absolutely. And thanks for having me on, Frank. I absolutely love getting to share what I know about the spouse community and to just do anything to help drive awareness to them as such a talented and capable workforce that your company can have access to. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here. Out here.